Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Real investors weigh in on how they're reading the world and they share with me what's on their stocks to watch list. Today I've invited Jack Cousy, Director of Strategy at the VFS Group, to break down, well, several topics. We're going to be looking at intensifying U.S. China relations and the continuing drama for ByteDance's TikTok, which has investors gripped, are 15,000 lines of AI code that make TikTok so addictive at the heart of the tussle, AI. Tencent Holdings wants the two largest Chinese live streaming platforms to merge is the live streaming sector, the new hot place to look at for investments. How has Disney done so far? We take a closer look at the numbers from its earnings report and if a potential vaccine by Novavax is going to impact market confidence. Then we'll switch to the commodity space, take a look at gold and silver futures. First up, Jacuzzi, Director of Strategy at VFS Group. How are you joining us all the way from Australia? Michelle, well, I've missed you. I have I missed you as well. Publicly on radio, <laughs> but yes, it's good to be. It's good to be back. It's been maybe two months, I think. So uh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I've got another call up. That's terrific, Jack. We love speaking with you. Welcome. Now, the Australian state of Victoria, I understand, has seen a resurgence in COVID-19 cases and military personnel have been deployed to enforce the COVID-19 isolation orders. I don't know if you have family in the area. How are you doing? How are they doing? And, and how are markets reacting to this news? Yeah, it's uh, it's a sad state of affairs that we've got down here in terms of uh, Victoria. So I'm I'm in New South Wales, which is our largest state, and Victoria is our second largest state, mm-hmm. both by GDP and by population. So, you know, they're in lockdown. They've got a curfew. Um, no one on the streets uh, after eight o'clock, and they're really trying to um, dampen what is what has been an outbreak in the virus uh, in Victoria. And now the rest of the states are kind of locking their borders, hoping that we don't get a spike. I mean, there are two sides to this at the moment, Michelle. It's obviously sad what we're seeing. I think maybe we possibly, as a, as a population, got a little bit complacent uh, with the virus. But then I think there's maybe a silver lining um, around this. So, for example, I was uh, at a shopping centre yesterday. I took my kids to, to a play date. And, you know, there were not many people in the shopping centre on a Thursday night. And then if you look at New South Wales, who's, who's been quite consistent in their cases... We're doing what health experts are telling us to do, and if what they say is right, we should be able to get it under control. Wear a mask. That's becoming more prevalent, um, particularly around Australia, even where there's no hot spots. Social distance, avoid crowds, and sanitise your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last three to four days, you know, we've started to see us trying to deepen or flatten that curve somewhat. So that's what we're seeing about the greater Australian population. In terms of the effect on the economy, it's a big one. Victoria is 20% of our GDP or just around. Um, it's a big state, not only for you know banking and, and finance and business, but also for farming and agriculture. So you know, our markets reacted okay to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a Fed rate or a rate decision last week. Uh, RBA decided to keep it at 025 but I feel like we're going to get this under control and, and, you know, we should be able to get back into that recovery mode. But it's certainly been a scare for, for everyone in the country. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep an eye on, on how you're doing, of course, um, in the weeks to come. Let's talk a little bit about 
a, a very interesting story. Another company caught in the middle of the U.S.-China tensions is clearly ByteDance. Uh, the Trump administration has given the Chinese company 45 days to sell its social media subsidiary TikTok or face being banned in the U.S. Microsoft, the only potential suitor, uh, it's reportedly considering buying TikTok operations, not just in the U.S., but in other Western countries as well. So, Jack, the U.S. champions free trade, but here we have a non-American company leading in these tech areas, right? Huawei leading in 5G, TikTok, the best app at what it does, these addictive 15-second teen videos. It seems that when the U.S. sees anyone out-competing it, free trade seems to go out the window. Uh, What do you think is at the heart of this takeover? Well, I've got two young daughters, so I know eventually they're going to get on TikTok eventually, so I'm hoping they do ban it before they do. (laughs) You're you're um, hoping they get on TikTok? No, I'm hoping they... They stay right away from TikTok. The <laughs> amount of young girls I see dancing in front of the camera is driving me crazy at the moment. I'm disturbed by I'm that, actually. Yeah. Yes, it is. I, um, I've dedicated probably the last best part of the last 10 years in understanding U.S.-China relations, and I have a keen interest in tech and, and U.S. and China tech. I am scratching my head at this one. I just I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to happen. And, you know, let's talk about the four sides that are sitting in this deal at the moment. Mm -hmm. The first one is the U.S. government and Trump and his presidency. If he pulls this off, he looks good, right? He pulls out a company, brings it into Microsoft. So for him, I think this is a win-win situation. It's going to be interesting whether he goes through and actually bans it. He said 45 days. That's coming out as we're breaking right now. You then look at Microsoft, who has been an amazing company. For them, there are advantages and disadvantages. They get to add their social consumer base to their business. They can integrate it with Teams, Microsoft, Xbox, um, the cloud, and Azure. And they get 100 million users, monthly active users who use the app an hour a day. But then I think you know, they've done really well out of their enterprise business. Do they want to get in this hot potato? Um, and do, and you know, they were the only CEO not in front of Congress last week. And they're the only choice because Facebook can't touch it. Google can't do anything without um, you know, the U.S. government on top of them. And, of course, Jeff Bezos of Amazon isn't you know, the favorite person in the White House. But then I look at the other side of this deal, and I just think, I mean, how would the Chinese government allow a company that's based in Beijing, hmm. you know, which is – I'm not going to say they're a national champion – but allow them to cut their arm off or their most profitable division and give it over to an American firm just because the U.S. wants it. And you kind of alluded that um, in terms of free trade. But the one that's stuck in the sandwich here, bigger than anyone, is ByteDance. I mean, how do they come away from this in a win situation? It is lose-lose for them whatever happens. If they get bought out by Microsoft, and I just don't know how this deal was, let me just make one more point before I move on to that. If Microsoft takes over TikTok or the U.S. division, do they still call it TikTok? Does it still integrate? So if someone's in Venezuela and they're producing a TikTok video, how does that incorporate with the U.S. video if the Venezuelan video is sitting on a Chinese server? And you alluded to the 15 million lines of AI. Mm. And then I think about this company, ByteDance, which has done incredibly well, which was valued at about $130 billion just two to three months ago. How do they win in this? If they sell they lose their best division um, before they get to mature and they really get to um, profit from it. If they do sell, they look like they're weak in China. That affects their businesses like, you know, Doyan and their other businesses in China. You can see, you know, Chinese Weibo going off saying this is weak. And if they don't, they get banned in the U.S. 
and they lose a hundred million active users. So they're the ones that are sitting there. And I just, I, you know, a Webbush Securities is a company that I listen to, and they've been on top of tech, and they said that they reckon it's a seventy-five to eighty percent chance of this deal done. I put it at ten to twenty if this gets done. I would be immensely surprised if this actually happens. And if the Chinese government doesn't pull someone from um, from ByteDance and say, "Hey, this ain't happening on our territory," you've got, you know, you, your head office is still in Beijing, so. It is a complex one, and then how do you value it? How do you integrate it? And the other thing that the the U.S. must understand now is if this happens, if Microsoft does buy them out Mm. or they ban it, it sets a precedent for U.S. tech all over the world. Let's say the Europeans aren't impressed with some of Facebook's data control. Mm. Do they then have the right to say, well, we want Facebook European arm sold to Siemens or you know, another uh, a French tech company. So that is the precedent that is sitting. So incredible, incredible times when I thought tensions couldn't get any higher. You know, we had two consulates closed in the last three weeks and then you throw this TikTok timing bomb um, in the middle. I can't wait to sit and watch this and see how it plays out. You're absolutely right. A lot of head scratches there, including how do you ban Chinese apps from the US? You know? Uh, yeah, it's- you can put up a firewall in China and say no to, to Facebook. and But how do you do that in a country that values free speech? And, you know, how, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, look, look, look you know, I'm obviously big there. And, you know, China is playing a game as well. And the U.S. has to counteract on some of these games. It's, it's, you know, these are two superpowers trying to, you know, attain technological innovation. We've talked about it on this show, but... I just don't understand how Microsoft can take a, you know, a Chinese company, integrate that software and not have it still connected to the rest of that tentacles that TikTok's built. Yes. Um, and you talked about the algorithm. I mean, the algorithm is the most important thing here. You know, I'm, I'm, they're saying they're going to give Microsoft a year to integrate that algorithm away from ByteDance. But where does ByteDance win in all this? And I think there's a little bit about protecting U.S. investors. You would be surprised at actually how much American ownership ByteDance has. And the other thing we as investors um, must understand is that we're entering, you know, we're, we're less than 90 days from the U.S. election, and we're not seeing much campaigning considering the COVID-19 uh, crisis. And I think both both parties, Biden and Trump, it pays to be tough on China going into election. So I my expectation here is this deal does not get done and TikTok does get banned. Um, you know, that, that's where I would be looking at in terms of market. But I just cannot see this deal getting done. And I can't see, uh, can't see the Chinese government allowing for something to happen in this. But it's just another, another reel in, in, in this amazing time we're seeing where these two superpowers are going at each other in the middle of a pandemic, which is the incredible thing about it. Yeah, okay. So China has said it's firmly opposed to the U.S. government actions to block the apps. Says the move goes against market principles. I believe they call it discriminatory as well. In the meantime, a side player in all this is Facebook with Instagram launching uh, a TikTok clone called Reels. It's launched it in 50 countries. It does the exact same thing uh, that TikTok does, 15-second videos. Uh, opportunistic or poised to, to benefit should the deal fall through? Yeah, I think they're going to benefit. I mean, they've probably had this in the works a lot. I use Instagram quite a lot, and I was looking at the Reels business here. I mean, you know, they would love TikTok to be banned because they've been eating into their market share. 
Um, and you got to look, look at Instagram story. I mean, that was pretty much a ripoff of what Snap did. So, um, you know, Facebook shares were up 5% uh, overnight because of that. I, I think it's it's quite opportunistic, and I think they'll do really well out of it. And it just goes to this broader theme that we're seeing across the globe in terms of markets. Big tech is just getting bigger, Michelle. Mm. These companies are so wide, so breadth, so much tentacles, so much free cash flow, and so much growth that I still believe that they got enormous legs in it. You know, I still believe, you know, I've got a price target of Amazon on, at $4,000, making them a $2 trillion company. You know, Apple reported last week, it smashed it. Its earnings were incredible in the midst of the pandemic. You know, Facebook beat expectations. I mean, Google's a little bit of the ugly duckling at the moment, but we're talking about Google, a monopoly in search engines and YouTube. So I really feel that this mega cap cap story play, not only in the US, you know, we talk about Barba, we talk a little about Tencent and Meishuan Jumping and these Chinese tech, I still think they've got plenty of room to play towards the end of the year and are still buyers in the market. So, you know, watch this space. You know, you get this negative thing in the market right now is we should hate these companies or we shouldn't buy them because, you know, they're 25% of the S&P 500 or take the, you know, the, the, the tech China giants. But, they're doing really well. I mean, yeah. I'm talking to you on an Apple phone, right? You know, I'm yeah. spending half of my day on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm just about to film a YouTube video. So I'm using these tech companies all the time, and I have meetings on Teams. So, you know, I, I don't see this slowing down anytime soon. All right. Say, say the deal does fall through. Are there any workarounds uh, for TikTok in terms of growing its incredible user base? I, I know TikTok has set up a data center in Ireland, for example. Yeah, I mean, these Chinese companies are very um, innovative. They're very good at what they do and they understand, you know, data and users. And this is the thing about Chinese tech. I mean, if you want to talk about the most important resource in the world, it's data. Right, yep. and the Chinese have more data than anyone because they've got 1.3 billion people, 1.4, but they've got the most important part of data, and that's financial data. So, um, I, I mean, there's no workaround about being in the US. If they get cut off, they get cut off. I don't think that's going to change, but they'll certainly start to grow their tentacles, and they are. And you look at, you know, not only TikTok, but I talk about a company like Meishuan Jumping, you know, that are growing exponentially in the Southeast Asian region or in the Asian region. And what you're finding is these Asian countries are falling into the bosom of China and China tech. So it's no doubt going to be a massive hit to this company. You know, we're talking anywhere in about $20, $30 billion of their market cap. But there are plenty of people in the world, plenty of uh, internet connections in the world. Um, you know, they'll find more users. Okay, so as an investor, what do you think uh, the scenario that the deal does go through? What does that mean for Microsoft? Shares up 1.6% uh, at the close to $216.35. Yeah, I, I mean, let's think about it. You know, Microsoft gets 100 million users, right, um, in one go. So, you know, let's think about the advertising revenue. Let's think about what they could sell them. Let's think about that they're integrating in, you know, in, in Xbox, in Teams. You know, I think this adds. 15 to $20 to the share price uh, immediately um, on, a, on an acquisition. So this is a great business, Microsoft. It is a great business. Its cloud is a great business. Its enterprise teams is becoming, you know, a, a part of your daily active life. This just adds another arm to a tech giant. Um, you know, they haven't had the greatest history in terms of acquisitions. You know, they really screwed up Skype. Um, they had Warcraft, which was uh, sorry, Minecraft, which was, which was not bad, and I guess the the jury's still out on LinkedIn. But you're talking about Nadella, who's a very good CEO and a very well run business. They'll make use of 100 million users 
who log on an hour a day, they'll definitely find the data and they'll profit and, and, and monetize that. No doubt about it. He's Jack Cousy, Director of Strategy at VFS Group, helping us understand how investors are reading what's happening in markets and economies around the world. Uh, I want to know if you think live streaming platforms are the new it space for investors. So in the news, Tencent Holdings wanting the two largest Chinese live streaming platforms to merge and shares of both Huayu and Daoyu International Holdings were up yesterday morning uh, in response, of course. Uh, Bloomberg reporting Chinese tech and Entertainment giant has more than a third stake in both platforms and wants to be the largest holder, Tencent, of a combined streaming giant. So what do you make of this sector, live streaming platforms? Yeah, it's, um, you know, we talk about new trends in the world and, and live streaming isn't necessarily a new trend. You know, it's, it's, it's been around for a couple of years, but it goes to that point of, you know, COVID-19 accelerating trends or accelerating the way we consume. And live stream is one of these accelerations that we're starting to see. So, you know, historically live streaming was just get content or sit on YouTube or, you know, in China there are other companies. But now we're doing e-commerce platforms off live streaming. There's obviously game. So companies and individuals or, or people are getting better at selling goods and services on live stream. Now, I'll give you a little bit of an example. And, you know, we talk about trends in the world and China setting some of these trends. You know, live streaming is nothing new to the Chinese. Think about a company called Yuku, which is kind of their, um, you know, their, their version of YouTube. A couple of weeks ago, I was actually reading this before I came on. Um, they ran a, a promotion around collectible toys and merchandise, right? Where they were selling that on there, and they had Chinese pop star called Quinn opening up boxes and discovering, you know, collectible figurines and sides. Um, YouTube um, shows you the, the incredible power of live streaming. They say that they sold 10,000 collectible toys in a single minute and did that for 30 minutes on end. Um, and they raised roughly around $57,000 in the first 30 seconds. So it shows you that live streaming is um, is it the way forward and can be quite profitable. And then you have the Twitches and the Facebooks and the YouTubes of, um, of the US coming up. So I think this is a growing trend, continue, uh, particularly because we're staying at home more, but companies are realizing that this is a good way to engage uh, consumers. And it's kind of... I don't know if you ever used to watch the like the home cooking show, or the home shopping show late at yeah, night. Yeah, right? yeah, QVC. I was like hooked. That. Yeah, yeah, but you, you know, it's in a more interactive. It's live stream. You know, you've got five G now coming on. So, I think this is going to continue to grow. And then you talk about this giant ten ten, and and I go back to this. You know, this. You know, where is mega? Where is mega cap tech going to stop? I mean, not only do they have a controlling stake um, in both these two companies, you know, they've recently acquired uh, a check-based game designer. Uh, they, they bought 20%. Mm. And, uh, sorry, they, they acquired it completely, and they bought 20% of a Japanese game uh, company called Marvelous. And you're talking about, you know, four to 500 million users here, right, that are logging in, plus you're selling them the games, you know, plus you're engaging them. So, you know, you talk about this Tencent, I liken them to the Berkshire Hathaway of the US. They have their tentacles in pies everywhere. You know, they recently bought 10% of um, one of the best stocks here in Australia and actually uh, across Asia, which was called Afterpay, uh, which has gone up like 450% in the last year. So, you know, this is thus them, them spreading, and I think they're going to get what they want. They're going to get these two companies merged together. Uh, and you're talking about a gaming industry in China alone, which is roughly worth around three $3.4 billion a year. I'll just finish up. You combine that, and I'm talking about gaming all across 
the world, Michelle, mm. you combine that with the advent of 5G. So 5G reduces that latency so you can suddenly you know, start playing online better. There's no lag between you hitting that controller. I know you're a big uh, PlayStation player. Yeah, that's me. Um, but <laughs> that's you for sure, right? There's no lag. So that makes that even more, you know, you know, awesome for kids or people around the world. Plus, you combine that with a kind of a super cycle. So you've got 5G and then you've got Xbox um, and PlayStation both releasing consoles this year. Mm. Plus, you've got the work from home and the acceleration trend. Um, so, you know, I think you're going to see a super cycle in this market. Uh, so just to let you listeners at home, I, I was actually quite late to this. We only bought a position in an ETF called ESPO, um, which is listed in the US. It kind of gives you exposure to some of these. And there's another one that's called Gamer, G-A-M-R, which we're also looking at, which will also give you some of that Asian exposure within it. Um, but I think there's room to move in this sector broadly. Uh, and again, it's this acceleration of this trend and there is plenty of room to move because you know, people are just moving over in droves. Did you have a position on Nintendo? I know it's based, uh, you know, it's listed in Japan. No. No, it's done So we, we were actually quite lucky. So the ESPO, the ESPO has Nintendo in there, right? So it's about 4%, and ah. they were up about 400%. So here's a good way just to educate your viewers, yes. um, if, I, if I may. You know, there's no need to complicate things sometimes. You, there are things that are occurring in the world. Mm. Don't be afraid to buy yourself a, a broad-based ETF. It diversifies your risk, and it gives you exposure to a number of companies um, and allows you to share in that upside. You know, when you pick one or two, you kind of, you know, you're increasing your risk because you, you, you're holding it. So don't be afraid to buy a nice broad-based ETF. There's lots of them out there. They're very liquid. And with the advent of technology, they're really cheap to own. So nothing wrong with being passive and broad. Yeah, great way to diversify and uh, get a hit on those global trends. Terrific, terrific insight. All right, let's talk. Uh, do, you, do you look at Disney still as a growth stock? So Walt Disney Company rose 8.8% for one of the biggest gains in the yeah. S&P 500 uh, after it reported a profit from the spring that beat Wall Street's estimates, even if it was sharply down from a year earlier. So what are your views on Walt Disney? Yeah, I... Um if I had a pairs trade, so a pairs trade for, for people out there is two kind of businesses in the same sector or competitors, and you go long one and you go short the other. And the whole point is, you know, kind of counteracts it and hopefully one breaks out. If I was, and I don't have any positions in there, I would be long Netflix and short Disney in this environment at this point in time. So let's just talk about the Disney quarter. I, I watch this streaming space very closely because, I, again, it's this acceleration of, of where we are. Mm. It was a brutal quarter for Disney. It was a brutal, brutal quarter. Sure, they had 100 million subscribers in, in Disney+, Plus, and they've done what they hope to do in four years in the space of the year. I get that. But theme parks are closed, and it doesn't look like we're going back to theme parks anytime soon. And when we do... We're definitely not being, going to be clustering around each other or lining up in a line for an hour or two, right? So they're, they're closed. They have no sport. No sport. I know the NBA is just back, but my understanding is the ratings are completely down. There's no NFL. Uh, baseball's just got back. You know, the only sport that they've got in terms of that ESPN play, which is very, very good for them, is the UFC, and I'm sure they're doing quite well about that. Sure, that ran a profit, but that's because they cut costs. So that part of it is. They've got a flurry of content that they've already filmed, but where does the new content come from then? Um, and, and how do they produce it? And if you want to talk about ESPN+, Plus, 
uh, sorry, um, Disney Plus, since the launch of Disney Plus, their stock's down 20% and Netflix is up 70%. You know, Netflix is, understands this streaming game. I think they've got the uplift from the streaming game, but I think it's going to be a grind. Can they show um, pricing power? Are they able to keep users there? Um, because you know you switch a lot right now, whereas Netflix now has a sticky bundle. The other thing that Disney is, I think there's some headwinds from it, is a lot of their revenue still comes from that old school cable business, right, connected to the TV. You know, those bundling programs, and they're being cut at a breakneck pace, and they still derive a lot of venue, uh, revenue from that. And then we go back to, you know, what we knew Disney about. Mickey Mouse, Bucks Bunny, Donald Duck. Well, I can tell you, I got two daughters. They ain't watching Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, or Bucks Bunny. They're not watching Disney programming. Mm-hmm. And this was a big arm of them that led it to a lot of advertising dollars. So, you know, I'm not saying this stock is going to go anywhere, but or you know, go broke. I'm just saying this is a troubling time for an iconic stock. Who, you know, if you want to talk about you know the airlines and the casinos who have been hit the hardest, this one's right in right in the coalface here. So it's, you know, they've got a lot of cash. They're a great company. It's Mickey Mouse in the end. But I think there's more headwinds, and I think the market's overbought this uh, at this environment. Okay, I can't let you go without your thoughts on gold and silver, both shiny, but silver uh, looking a little shinier. Do you expect gold to, to rise to 3000 US dollar an ounce? What do you make of, of its rise? Yeah, I mean, I've been wrong about gold for a long time, so <laughs> maybe I'm not the greatest person to ask. I, I will tell your viewers out there, I will tell your viewers listening here, no one benefits from a gold price at $3,000. Mm. Right? And let me explain this in this way. Because if gold's at 3000 or 3500 or 4000 there is something incredibly wrong with our financial system, right? And the best thing that that gold bar is going to do for you is act as a baseball bat from people robbing you, right? Because if gold's at four or $5,000, you're talking about a collapse of the financial system and no one benefits from that, Michelle, mm. right? Sure. Your gold price might go up, but what does that mean in the midst of housing, banking, financial institutions, insurance, planes taking off? So I get why gold's rising. We're in a low-interest rate environment. Bonds are yielding nothing. There's a bit of risk off. We're flying into it. But let's just take a breather here, you know. I don't want to see gold at 3000 I hope it doesn't get to 3000 and I'll leave you with that. All right. Definitely very clear there. Before we let you go, Jack, what is on your stocks to watch list? Yeah, I still like tech. I said this last week. Um, I still like mid cap tech. I have a large position in a Chinese company called Meishuan Jumping. And I also have a position in a Chinese company called SMIC, which is Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation. So that's China's play on the chip market. Um, They are the fifth largest foundry in the world. You see that Huawei and all these Chinese companies are going to start producing their chips or making them internally um, uh, within China. So, you know, they're my number of plays. I really like Xiaomi out of China because of the 5G rollout. They've got a really competitive 5G phone. So... Um, they're the ones, and he straight to the press two nights ago, which I published on my YouTube channel. Shameless plug there, Michelle. Shameless. I took a position in a three in a three D printing play called EX One, um, and that's a bit of a thematic play that I really like going forward. All right, and I'm just curious, your girls are not watching Disney. What are they looking at? What are they watching? 
a little Well, they're watching YouTube. Uh, well, we're we're watching we try Daddy. to limit the, the TV. We're watching them. Uh, we only try to limit it to 20 minutes uh, a day. Mm-hmm. Um, Ava and David, uh, Baby Bum. Baby Bum's pretty good, Michelle. I don't know if you've ever watched Baby Bum. Yeah, you've got kids, out. right? No, no, I don't. I have yeah. a, ba- a fur no. baby. A fur baby. That's it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Baby Bum's pretty good. Um, I'm, you, can, you can always hear me singing the tune. They're quite catchy. So it's YouTube that they're hooked to. Yeah, it's YouTube. I mean, I, I, I'm on YouTube all the time. So I, you know, talk about conventional TV. Yeah. I listen YouTube. to Market Pod. I just watch it on YouTube, and I play for YouTube Premium, which means you can listen to it on your phone without having a you know, logged into the app. Um, yeah. And also means you can download and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Okay, terrific. Listen, we can't get enough of you, Jack. What is a, the channel called, your YouTube channel? It's called Jack Kuzi. So K-O-U-Z-I. Now, yeah. If you put together my name really quickly, you get Jacuzzi. So you can <laughs> never forget it. <laughs> Love that. My parents had no idea that they were calling me after a spa bar. Um <laughs> I hated the name when I was young, but I love the name now, Michelle, because no one ever forgets your name. No one will forget that channel. I'm going to check you out immediately. Thank you so much for joining us, Jack. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Stay safe over there and uh, good luck, everybody out there. Until next month, Jack Cousy, Director of Strategy at VFS Group, joining us in Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.